Quarter to Three Games Podcast, where we talk to the people who make the forum what it is about the games that matter to them. Today we are here with a fellow who posts as John E. Motion, but his real name is Morgan G., and as I think you will find out within the first 10 seconds of him talking, he is Canadian. Morgan, do you get that a lot? People know you're Canadian. Oh, no, they never think I'm Canadian, eh? <laughs> now, you're just playing that for comedic effect, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, shoot, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I guess I got an accent, but, you know, it's, shoot, I don't know. Now, I, I, I got to say, you know? I, now, I'm, I'm teasing, I, like, I like teasing you about this, Morgan, but I have to say I am jealous. I am from Arkansas, and... You know, when I was younger, I'm sure I would have hated if I had an accent. But I am really, I am so jealous of people who have accents that identify where they're from. I, I just, I think that's very cool. Now, you actually don't live in Canada. In Canada, <laughs> I mean, you, you don't live in Canada. You live somewhere far more exotic. Uh, why don't you tell people where you live? Yeah, I, uh, I live in uh, Prague in the Czech Republic now. Um, and uh, tell me how on earth that happened. How does a Canadian? By the way, what part of Canada? Uh, I'm from uh, Vancouver, and more technically, if people are from Vancouver, I'm from uh, Victoria, B.C., which is the island uh, off the coast of uh, Vancouver. Now, this is great, Morgan, because I have been to both where you're from and where you live, where you live now, and I have some amazing experiences in both places that I, that I want to tell you about uh, in a little bit. But first of all, how does someone go from Victoria to Prague? Well, um, there's not a lot of work in uh, Victoria, um, so I was working a dead-end construction job, and a friend of mine had moved here, and he said, uh, Morgan, you want to you wanna move to uh, Czech Republic? And I said, yeah, sure, why not? And saved my money for about a year and hopped on a plane, and here I am. Now, what was it about Prague? Did you not have other places you, you thought of? Was it really that phantom? Uh. Yeah. Um, well, I'd always been interested in uh, the Czechs will kill me if they hear me say it. Eastern Eastern Europe. Oh, they don't. They don't. They think of themselves as Western Europe. Central Europe. Thank you very much. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> See, it, it, you know, it's just you know, it's the everyone else is more east than us. <laughs> you, you know, if you're in Slovakia, they're Central Europe, and I'm sure if you're in Ukraine, you're in Central Europe still. So it's sort of a no one wants to be the Russians, right? Right. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, no, uh, it was just, um, it was easy for me to come here because uh, my friend had been living here with his wife for about three years, so they had a group of friends, and I could stay at their place for a bit. And so, you know, as opposed to just completely packing up and jumping off to the, you know, off the deep end, uh, I sort of had a bit of a safety net here. And what was it like when you first moved there and were staying with your friend and his wife? It was, uh, it was very different, I, I got to say. I, don't, I didn't speak a lick of Czech. And, uh, you know, it was just, uh, and hadn't really been outside of North America before. So, um, I don't know. I love it here, though. I mean, uh, don't get me wrong. Now, you've been there for, you said, two years, three years? How long? Excuse me. Uh, just, uh, golly, coming up, coming up to three years now? 
And do you yeah. study Czech? Uh, not really. Uh, I, I hate to say it. I'm one of the, the, the bad expats. Uh, well, now it's... My, I was going to say, it's not necessary, is it? Like, you can get by pretty well on English, right? Uh, if you want dirty looks. Uh, I, I can go to the supermarket and, and do stuff, but if, if I have to have to have an extended conversation, it's, it's, it's pretty bad. Uh, I mean, I can go and, you know, sit at the bar and ask for cigarettes and order beer and, and whatnot. So I can get by, but I, I wouldn't say that I can speak Czech. Is this something that you plan on doing? or do, Real quick, let me ask, how old are you, Morgan? Oh, I'm uh, 33. Okay, so I I don't know uh, if you have a sense. Like, as I got older, I realized it it was going to take much more work to do something like learn a new language. Uh, You know, when you're a kid, I think there's something more malleable about your brain. I'm sure there's a scientific explanation for this, but... uh, One of the things that I learned to let loose of as I got older was this idea that I'm going to learn Japanese or I'm going to learn Russian uh, uh, because learning a new language for... Guys, our age is just, I, I think, requires so much more work, and you have to fight the, the way your brain is wired. Uh, so it, I can imagine that must be something you, you feel a little frustration about if you consider learning Czech, yes? Um, well, yeah, yes yes, and no. I, 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 you know, just uh, I, I, my job entails me speaking English because our clientele is American. Mm-hmm. So I spend eight, hour a day, eight hours of a day uh, speaking English, and then I come home, and my girlfriend speaks English. So uh, there's a big chunk of my day where I'm just speaking English, and so it's you know it's just I, I just I don't want to say I don't have the time, but I'm lazy. Right. Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, slowly but surely, I I, I got to say I know a lot more than I did when I first uh, first came, and um, you know every every day I learn a little bit more and uh, and stuff like that. Yeah. Is is your girlfriend Czech? Uh, she's Slovak, which is like Czechoslovakia. Uh, do people do people in the Czech Republic can they tell a Slovakian from a Czech? Is it yeah. okay? They, they they speak a slightly different language, but my understanding is that people in Prague speak different than people in Brno, and everyone has uh, very different different accents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, when I when I uh, say something to a Czech and they give me a blank stare, my girlfriend's like, well, you said it okay. They just aren't used to foreigners speaking their language. <laughs> CZE is probably going to be like, you're an idiot, Morgan. So I apologize, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Well, my, one of the things I was delighted to discover when I was in Prague is how uh, they, they, were, they were so accustomed to expatriates. Uh, it it seems like there's a thriving community of you know, Canadians and Aussies and Americans there. Uh, maybe it was just yeah. the circles I was in, but it, it, it didn't feel like, for instance, going to Poland, which is, I think, a very different situation, uh, or at yeah, least I, several years ago it was. Yeah, I think uh, for, 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 for who knows what reason, uh, lots, lots of expats like coming here and living here. Um, at least, you know, I don't know. I, uh, I've spoken to people, and they're like, oh, yeah, Prague, yeah, of course, because you're from North America. I guess there's some sort of lure to it. I, I hadn't really thought of it uh, before I came here. Now, uh, what kind of place do you live in in Prague, if I may ask? Sure. Uh, well, I live in a, an apartment. Um, I don't know. Uh, do you, if you remember, um, in Prague, there's that giant statue of a guy on a horse. Oh, yeah. Yep. Who is that dude, by the way? I think at one point I knew who he was. Uh, Zizka. He was the leader of the, the Hussite Rebellion. Okay. <laughs> uh, John Hus was like the sort of the first Protestant... Um, uh, 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 church, and he was uh, put to death by the Catholic Church, and Jishka sort of rate, sort of staged a, a civil war 
with uh, these uh, war wagons. They're like, uh, uh, let's see, I think it's in 1500, something like that, and they would uh, sort of circle the wagons and then have the Germans come up and attack them, and they would, uh, they would win. Now, can I just say real quick, when I hear things like that, it makes me want to play a real-time strategy game. <laughs> so do you, do you live near the, dude of the, the statue of the dude on the horse? Yeah, yeah, yeah I live in the neighborhood uh, named after him, uh, Zhushkov. And uh, go ahead, sorry. And uh, just, uh, I don't know, stones throw away from me is the uh, site of his most famous battle. And uh, I guess they went up top this fairly large hill that's really steep on all sides, stood up there, and the other army came and attacked them. And uh, I've been up there, and I don't know why anyone in their right mind would ever even think about attacking anyone up there, but <laughs> they did, and they lost. So <laughs> uh, I have to say, Morgan, I, I've been lucky enough to be uh, – I've been to, to, to Paris. I've, I've been to some smaller towns in France. I've, I've been around England. I've been in Scotland. Uh, I, I, don't, I cannot imagine a more beautiful city than, than Prague. Uh, now, I'm not as well-traveled as some people, but I'm, I'm, amongst the places I've seen, Prague, there's something so incredibly magical uh, about just the, the visuals in that city, how it looks. And it, it strikes me, it's almost like what you would get if you wanted to make a Disneyland for grown-ups. Uh, <laughs> I, I was there shortly after uh, they had a huge flood, mm-hmm. and the uh, Old Town area... Uh, was covered in silt. It didn't have any power. Uh, and going through there with all the lights turned off, and uh, it, it had, it, it so captured for me what it must have been like to be in medieval Europe, uh, to be going through that area with no electricity, no no power, uh, just the, the sort of shadows you get when, when there are no city lights was one of the most magical experiences I think I've ever had. Uh, Prague is just remarkable. I'm very jealous that you actually get to live there. You, you, when you on the way to your job, you see Prague. <laughs> How awesome yeah. is that? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's. Uh, I, I, I do pinch myself a lot because you know it's something I'd always wanted to do, right? To, 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 to move abroad, and then to end up here is just like, I mean, I, it's, it's, it's really surprising. I don't know. I, I gotta say that much. Now, to maybe make those of us who don't get to see Prague on the way to work feel a little better about our lives, tell me what it's like to be a video gamer living in Prague. For instance, right now, can you play Bioshock 2? You probably can't. Yeah, yeah. But um, that, 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 that's come to Prague already? Come on. You can't play that, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. good Lord. Okay, you probably can't play, uh, uh, let's see, so Steam. You, you probably don't get Steam in Prague, right? I oh let's see when I came came here and I bought a laptop, I went to Steam and downloaded my copy of Half Life Two, so I haven't tried buying anything off it though. I thought you couldn't get Steam. Okay, well what? Tell me, I I, I want I, I want stories that, about uh, how miserable it is being a video gamer in Prague. You're supposed oh, to make us feel better. <laughs> okay, well uh, uh, the uh, video games are really expensive here. Okay, well there, ha ha. <laughs> There, okay, uh, now that's the Schadenfreude I'm looking for, Morgan. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 uh, I, I wanted to get uh, uh, Dragon Age, like you know, pretty soon after it came out, and I spent a ridiculous amount of money on it, and I was like, "Is this okay, honey?" And she was like, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> and uh, then you know, I brought it home and started playing it, and she was like, "Oh, that looks neat." And so you know, we probably between the two of us grinded out you know, well over a hundred hours. So 
it wasn't so bad when it worked out. But the, the funny thing is, Morgan, is when you pay extra for a game like Dragon Age, where you're you're going to spend a hundred hours and they're going to be a great hundred hours, it's sort of not that big a deal. If you, no. Like, but having to pay extra for something like Army of Two, where you know you play for ten hours and you're done, <laughs> that's that's where it's really rubbing salt in the wound. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I mean, like uh, the one thing that I can't get, which kind of bugs me, and I, I hear you guys all talking about it, is uh, Xbox points. They don't sell them here. And so if I want to get Xbox points, I have to go to, like, the local computer mart, and they sell me Xbox points from, say, the Netherlands or Ireland for a hefty markup. So you can't just go online, use your credit card, and then buy Xbox points to download, like, Darwinia or something? No. I I mean, I, I wish I could. I would be sitting there with, you know, Galaga and Golden Axe and all that stuff. Okay. well, good. Uh, well, there, there. That's the yeah, that's the, the shot, that's... Freud. I was really looking for, Morgan. Good. Ha ha. <laughs> uh, okay. So I I just I just I I want to tell you how awesome Darwinia Plus is, and and you can't play it, so that that's too bad. Well, actually, wait a minute. That's not even true. So you said you can get these these uh these Dutch gamer point these Dutch Microsoft points and just buy stuff. You just have to go through extra hoops. I'm not quite sure how it works out because uh, I mean I, I can get it right, and so I. I don't know, maybe this is probably not good of me, but I, I sign up as, you know, uh, Lars Ungrich from Stone <laughs> and, you know, get my 2,000 points, and I go buy the game, and it goes on my hard drive, and then I can play it as Johnny Motion. You know, the, away we go. But I'm just worried, you know, shoot, if the Xbox craps out or whatnot, then the, the game's gone. Ah, because it's like almost black market or something. <laughs> I guess, eh? I don't know, don't know Microsoft. <laughs> Uh, so I just real quick, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, we, I have a circle of friends here in Los Angeles, and uh, we hang out once a week, and, and we play video games. And uh, one of my friends, he's a fellow I knew from doing theater. His name is Brian. Uh, one day he starts talking about, I'm, I'm going to move to, to Prague, to the Czech Republic. And we were like, yeah, sure, Brian, we're, we're sure you are. I mean, everybody in Los Angeles has pipe dreams. Uh, it's part of living here. Sure. So Brian kept saying this for a couple of weeks, and, and we humored him. And, and then he started uh, showing up, being able to say short phrases in Czech. Like he was, he was actually teaching himself Czech. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were thinking, well, Brian, that's a little extreme. You know, you're not going to actually up and move to Prague. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, go ahead and humor yourself. You know, learn a little Czech if you want. And then he kept at it for, like, months. And then he got a plane ticket. And before we knew it, this fella had just up and moved to Prague, to work there as an actor. Uh, well, I hate to say it, but, you know, I think the warning signs were there. <laughs> we did, and we just didn't pay attention to them. Uh, uh, I know. It's a cry for help. <laughs> well, we lost him. We lost him to Prague, and he lives there now, and he uh, he has a, an adorable baby with a really cool Czech girl, and he makes a living, and he does a fair amount of commercials, and every now and then we see him in a movie, and... Uh, so he, he successfully transplanted himself to Prague. And that's actually, so the first time I, I went there, Morgan, it was to see a video game. Uh, 2K flew me out there to write up uh, the, the Vietnam shooter, which I forget. Oh, okay. Viet Cong, was it? Anyway, the... the sh- with the, uh, the, the ducking and whatnot, yeah? And you're sort yeah. Of, sort of sort of open world. That game was really cool. I enjoyed that very much. That was, and that was one of those that was one of those early games that really made great use of cover, and uh, it really felt like Vietnam. I mean, the engine's terribly dated right now. So when they were doing the sequel, I got to fly out there to do some coverage of it, and the the, the video game company will pay for the flight arrangements. Um, uh, but I just figured, 
and I told them, as long as I'm in Prague, I have a friend who lives there. Why don't you delay my return by like a week or so? Uh, so I actually got the chance to do that. Uh, that was when the, the city was uh, flooded. And then I got a chance to do it another time when I went to Paris for another job. And I just said, delay my return flight. And from Paris, I went and visited Brian again. So I've been, to, I've been lucky enough to go there a couple of times. And uh, it's just an amazing place. And I'm very jealous you get to live there. Uh, so uh, I also want to tell you about my experience in uh, Victoria. Uh, my well, mother. I can't believe you've been to Victoria. Oh, well, Victoria is beautiful. I mean, you've lived in some of the most beautiful places in the world. That's, that's kind of not fair. I've lived in Little Rock and Los Angeles. <laughs> totally I've always wanted to go to Little Rock. Uh, my uh, grandparents are from uh, the Ozarks. So well, I've never, never been there. No, no, Morgan, the Ozarks are beautiful. Uh, Little Rock, I, I don't think, has as much claim to aesthetic appeal as the Ozarks do. Uh, so uh, I, my mother lived in Seattle for a while, and I went up there. I drove up there with my, my girlfriend at the time to, to visit her. And we borrowed her car. Or I flew up there to visit her, and we borrowed my mother's car, and we drove to Vancouver. And from Vancouver, mm-hmm. we went out to Victoria, and we stayed at a little bed and breakfast, like somewhere up the coast. Uh, and that was another thing, Morgan, where it was sort of like Disneyland for adults. It was just so quaint and lovely. And this bed and breakfast that we stayed at, uh, it was off-season, so there were no people around, and that made it all the more beautiful. And the people where we stayed, they had a couple of bicycles, and they said, why don't you take these bicycles and go riding around some of these logging roads? Uh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it was lovely. It was just it was such a beautiful place. So while we're out riding... Um, my girlfriend's name was Michelle. We come over a little hill and see a bear. And the bear is moving away from us. And I immediately, I mean, I, I've been fortunate enough to see a few different predators in the wild before. I've seen a shark. I've seen a lion. And, and the, the bear was the first time I've ever seen this, this predator in the wild in its own element. And the bear was moving away from us. And I remember stopping Michelle. We were on our bikes and telling her, be quiet. You know, maybe he, he won't see us. Because I had want to make noise, eh? Well, that's you know that's <laughs> the worst thing you can do. <laughs> well, that's, I was just thinking, you know, there's a bear. He doesn't know we're here. This probably we want to keep it that way. And Michelle, bless her heart, she she laughed at me and she she sort of explained why do you think he's running away from us? He has seen us. You know, we're we're loud people on bicycles. And he's probably smelled us. So my first reaction was, you know, we just got lucky he hasn't seen us. But the reason he was moving away is he was just some little bear who wanted nothing to do with us. And, and he was running off. And the thing is, he probably was like a juvenile bear. But to me, he looked like an enormous grizzly bear. You know, you're not used to seeing that kind of shape in the wild. Uh, have you ever seen a bear while you live? Uh, so, I think maybe once. Maybe twice. Uh, in uh, uh, junior high school, we went on a camping trip, and uh, we went on a on a boat on a lake, and on the shore of the lake, there was a, a bear mucking about. Aha, so you were safe. Unlike me, I was in more well, danger. You were safe. Uh, shoot. Uh, last, last summer, some uh, guy up in B.C. was uh, fishing on his fishing boat, and the bear swam out and attacked him. <laughs> I mean, like, wow. you know, I mean, you're, you're okay, right? And the, and the guy had to plug the thing with his uh, oar and whatnot. That's <laughs> just nutty. Bears are now, they've learned naval combat. <laughs> uh, it's like, when I read that, I was just like, I mean, like, how could he piss the bear off? 
Well, now I would guess, so here, here's my rational brain thinking, I'm guessing the bear probably wanted like the fish he was catching or something. Yeah, 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 I guess, eh? But, uh, yeah. Whew. Now, what, what do you miss most about, about Victoria, about being back in Canada? Oh, jeez. Uh, not a lot, to be honest. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, my folks and my friends, but, uh, you know, something concrete. Uh, I don't know. It don't rain here, which is nice. <laughs> I guess you got your fill of that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, like uh, some food, I guess. You know, like craft dinner. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, nothing, nothing, nothing major. What about uh, movie releases? Like on the forum, when we're talking about new movies that come out, do you and Prague have to wait on those for a while? Talking about uh, last night, I saw the uh, the Avatar. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that, Morgan. Yeah. <laughs> you know, look, I was. I don't. I I I have mixed feelings about it. I sat there sitting and going like, oh, I'm not really enjoying this. But then I walked out. I was like, well, I guess that was neat. Now, did you get to see it? Do they have 3D screenings there? Did they do that whole setup? When they first when they first did it, it was um, in Czech Czech dubbing because it's hard for them to do um, subtitles. Mm-hmm. I guess in the 3D, and so if you wanted to see it in English, it wasn't in 3D. And then just recently, they started showing it in uh, 3D without the uh, uh, without the Czech dubbing mm-hmm. in English because there are people who speak English and they're like, well, I'd rather see it the way it was meant to be because I can understand it. Right, right. But uh, shoot, uh, what was the one? Uh, Batman. Golly, you guys were talking about Batman for like a year before I could see it. Ah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, you know, that stuff I don't, I don't really, I, I, I stay out of the movie forums until way after everyone's done talking about it, and then I read it. Right, right. Uh, now, what, what's your your job is uh, with computer stuff there in in Prague? Uh, I do uh, I do uh, tech support for a, a very very small uh, uh, web uh, template company. We uh, sell uh, you know do it yourself web pages and flash to uh, photographers. So now, I kind of work in the wedding industry. Now based on uh, what what game you want to talk about in a little bit, I'm assuming you are like a, a PC dork like a lot of us. Yeah yeah. So. Um, is that something that you grew up with? How did how did you come to be a PC dork? You, you mentioned you were doing construction work back in Canada. Uh, I, d- I don't think of a construction worker as the type of guy who plays PC games. How did that come about? Oh, well, I needed the work, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, um, no, I well when I was a little little kid, my parents got a VIC twenty, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I, I really dug that. And then uh, my uh, friends had you know apples. I dug them, and then uh, geez. Uh, one year for Christmas, we got like oh, I don't know, like a, a computer. I think in 1990, and yeah, away we went. What do you remember being your first, being the first time you played a computer game? I, like, I, I think for a lot of us, we remember that first time our minds were blown by some video game or computer game. What what was in it like, for you? The first first video game I ever saw, the first computer game. Because I mean, the first. Well, first, so here's a weird thing, Morgan. This is something yeah. that over time. I used to resist the idea of calling computer games video games, but having to write about them and just needing a shorthand term, I finally embraced the idea that even ancient PC games that you played on your VIC-20, I call those now video games. So that, that's my own sort of sloppy concession to platform agnosticism. Um, well, no, I, I mean, I think, I think um, at least for me, a video game is like an arcade game, right? Yep. Yep. But but I think the industry, like the way the industry now talks about 
you know, the fact that there is an industry, video gaming uh, includes PC games and console games. Oh, like, sure, 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 sure. I, I, I just, it's just the way when I, when I think about it. You know, like, I mean, I think now they're all video games, but I don't know. I, right. I, I think there's a difference between playing, you know, uh, whew, I don't know, you know, Pac-Man and playing Zork. Right. No, you know what? I'm with you 100%, and that's actually a very good point because – for, for me growing up, and I'm a little older than you, there, there was a very clear divide. It was weird that you would go to arcades and you would play things like Pac-Man and Defender and stuff. And then it was almost like a whole separate reality when I first saw, and this is the, the computer game that blew my mind, when I first saw Starcross, which was a text adventure. So they were like two separate threads that eventually came together into one industry. Um, so, yeah, so where was, I guess, whether it's, you know, an, an arcade game, a video game, a PC game, where was the young mind of Morgan G. first blown? I, I would have to say it would be on the uh, the BC ferry going from uh, Victoria to Vancouver, and uh, they had like a little video game arcade with like you know five or six machines in it or whatnot. And uh, oh, what was it called? Shoot, um, oh, Armor Attack. It was some corny uh, line tank game or something like that. It was and like you had like this little overlay over top that was like painted like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> stuff like that, and there was a helicopter <laughs> zipping around. Boy, when I was a little kid, I thought that was the cat pajamas. I would just sit there and watch the, watch it the entire ferry, ferry ride home. Like, you, could you even play it? Were you just, like, watching oh, the demo loop? I would, just, I would just watch the demo loop. Oh, I guess, you, were, you were the poor little kid who didn't have the quarter. <laughs> you know, I'd get one, you know. You've got two hours to spend. I'm not that good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and so what what kind of things did – now, a VIC-20, I think that's a distinctly – I think that's something that you people who are under uh, Her Majesty's rule experienced. I don't know that we had that in the States. I could be mistaken. But isn't a VIC-20 like something English? No, it's a, it's a Commodore. It was oh, it the, is? A, it was the Commodore that was, like, cheap and released to the masses, and it had uh, – you know, you had the clunky cartridges, and you could play, like, uh, Lunar Lander. Ah, Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it, it's not. I'm. I'm thinking there's some sort of a PC kind of thing that was distinct to England. I, I don't know what that was. But so what? What did you play on your Vic Twenty? Oh golly, what did that like? Oh, there was this one game called Seamus, which I really liked, and I barely remember it. Like some you're sort a detective? Of, <laughs> what, what, no, it was some sort of bizarre sort of like uh, berserk sort of thing where you. I don't know. I. Golly, it's been really a long time, eh? Right, right. Uh, that's the funny thing is I remember, like, bits and pieces of games I played. I remember, did you ever play uh, Wizard of War? Does that ring any bells? Oh, golly. That, that was another, it was, a, it was almost like a twin-stick shooter, but before, I think, twin-stick shooters, like, it, it couldn't be that fast. You're moving a dude through a maze, and you're mm-hmm. shooting robots out of the way. And I remember we would be playing Dungeons & Dragons, and then when we would take a Taco Bell break or go to the 7-Eleven, there was a Wizards of War machine there at the 7-Eleven that we would sit and play for a while before going back to, to Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, wow, yeah. And, and I couldn't tell you that much about Like, if I were to see a screenshot of Wizard of War, I imagine it would look a lot different than what I'm visualizing right now. Uh, because when you're a kid, too, you fill in a lot of those blanks. You describing that tank game with the overlay... Uh, you know, seeing that right now would look so chintzy, but when you're a kid who has oh, yeah. exposed to that sort of thing, yeah. Well, I mean, you didn't you didn't know any better, right? 
Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> here's here's what I think would be hell on earth, Morgan. You and me, you know, we're into video games. How awful would it be if we got in a time machine and went back to like 1985 mm-hmm. when there were only those old video games having seen what we've seen now? It would be hell on earth <laughs> waiting oh, for You'd have so many great ideas, eh? You know what? That's true. You could. <laughs> You know what you should do is like mouse look, eh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. We'd be rich. You'd be a visionary. <laughs> uh, so what? So let's talk a bit about. You want to talk today about a war game? Yeah. What? Like with hexes and stuff? No, no, no. Uh, actually, that's. I I don't like those games very much. Tell you the truth, but this one it's like a it's a real trick. Golly gee, it's a real time strategy game, right? Where you have you know little platoons of dudes and you tell them to march forth and uh, they uh, they kill each other. Well, now um, let me ask. So, so Morgan, did so if you weren't a war gamer, were you into RTSs? How did you? So we're talking, of course, about close combat. Uh, how did you come to close combat if it wasn't through war gaming? I found it in the bargain bin at my local video game shop for ten bucks. Ah, okay. Yeah. I, uh, I I'd read about it before, right? And it said it was good, and uh, boy, does it have! I bought the Close Combat Two, and it had the corniest cover ever. So, and also, it was made by Microsoft, and I was like, oh, I mean, the only Microsoft game I could think of at the time was like Deadly Tides or something like that. that <laughs> wow. And I was like, oh, you know, I, I don't care if people are saying this is good. I ain't going to buy it. But, you know, I had 10 bucks burning a hole in my pocket and uh, brought it home. And it is just the snazziest thing. Um, pretty much the, the, the deal is, is you have um, painted maps and you have little teams of dudes and uh, you wage a battle, right? So, but it uses sort of RTS sort of stuff. So you could have the guys run or crawl or, or whatnot and go into buildings or whatnot. But the neatest thing I think about it is that it models morale. So guys will get scared and they won't do what you ask them to. So it kind of poses an interesting puzzle because if you say, hey, go commit suicide, guys, as opposed to in StarCraft, we'll be happily running up and getting plowed. These guys will kind of cower away, right? Right. Yeah. Now, do you remember what year Close Combat came out? Like, how old is that franchise? 98, 99. Now, did that predate, do you know, I think... So that that predated even Majesty, didn't it? Oh, I I I gotta confess, I'm not much of an RTS guy. Oh, so you're not even a you're not a war gamer necessarily, or an RTS guy, yet you still gravitated to this real time yeah. strategy war game. Uh, um, it ruined me for RTSs because in RTS you can have like you know the super unit right, and you can have your little peons playing away at it, and eventually that super unit's going to get trashed. Whereas in close combat. If you got a tank and the guy doesn't have uh, bazookas or something like that, well, there's nothing they can do, right? And I kind of like that sort of, you know, ability just to completely lose. It it was sort of a, an object lesson in the limits of player control. You can't mm-hmm. do things. And real-time strategy games cater more to power fantasies. This is more about in real combat. You don't necessarily have to kill the guy to win the battle. You just have to stop him from shooting back and make him want to leave the field. Uh, well, that's, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that, that's pretty much the game, right? Is uh, it does it uh, simulates uh, um, guys ducking their heads, and not being able to move, right? So you put uh, a bunch of fire on a unit, 
it stops being able to do something, and then you bring your other guys around, and 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 you uh, you know you, you you decimate her, right? And that's sort of the the gameplay of it is sort of positioning yourself in situations where that's not going to happen to you, and you do it to the opponent, right? Right. So su- suppression is something that I wish more games would try to model, and they don't. Especially, I play a lot of shooters, and it's just not a factor when you're just going to respawn when you get killed. Uh, so there are very few games that can do what Close Combat did and really model the effects of suppression, which is a huge part of, of contemporary combat. Well, I thought, um, uh, um, oh, what was it? The, the uh, Warhammer 40,000 game did that to to an extent, right? Like, uh, you, if you had guys getting shot, you could take cover and stuff like that, which, you know, was a bit of a bone to that. And what they what they did, too, and this is in the, the same thing as in Company of Heroes, their World War II thing, which mm-hmm. is very similar to Close Combat. What, what they did, though, was they, in that game, they didn't want to take control away from the player. Uh, mm-hmm. That's sort of a no-no in a lot of real-time strategy games. And to Close Combat's credit, they didn't realize that, <laughs> that it was a no-no, and, it, and it, it's part of what made the game special. But what you can do in Warhammer and Company of Heroes is when somebody's morale breaks, if I'm not mistaken, you can still move them into fire. It's just that they're a lot less effective in combat, I believe. Yeah. Um, so it's that weird idea of... We don't want to take control away from you, but we do want to punish you if your units are suppressed. Whereas in close combat, it was much more this this experience of leading a battle and and your men failing you, failing your plan because your plan kind of failed them. Uh, you see, that's 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 why I like that game. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, uh, it's and also the, the funnest part I don't know is uh, have you ever played it uh, like a, a multiplayer campaign? Oh, in close combat? No, I haven't. Oh, no. See, the problem with it out of the box is the computer is, like, really dumb. Mm-hmm. And so, and when they, when they, there's no sort of set way that the computer is going to set up. So the computer will kind of put its place, put its little dudes in just bizarre spots, right? And so it's, if you're attacking, it's quite easy for you to just kind of, like, go, well, I'm just going to go and take this weak part out, and then pretty soon they're all going to get munched. Um, you can play it multiplayer, and you can have uh, truces, right? So you both you both start, and you start wailing at one another, and when one guy says, well, I've kind of had enough, and the other player will say, well, you know, I think I can keep on going, but if I keep on going, I'm going to get so many casualties, so let's have a truce, right? And uh, after that, you can set a period of time that you want to um, rest, if you will, right? right? And the player who decides... The uh, smallest amount of resting time, well, that's how much resting time <laughs> they're going to have. And you can have these enormous battles over, like, you know, say, two or three houses or something like that, because you're both trying to get that one bell tower at the top that you can put your machine gun up at. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think that's just the cat's pajamas. That, by the way, Morgan, I get this great image of a pitched battle in World War II, like some of the band of brothers are saving Private Ryan, when somebody stands up and goes, time out, I call time out, I call time out. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I, the, uh, the uh, I, you know, when you have a, a, a huge pile of, like, little pixelated corpses, I can see why they get kind of, like, you know, shell-shocked after a while. Well, yeah, there's the, I mean, pulling back and regrouping, I guess, is what that's modeling. That makes perfect yeah. sense, absolutely. And sometimes both sides pull back and regroup. It's not yeah. like a battle where, where you're completely at loggerheads till someone breaks and gives way. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh-huh. But uh, and I, I was, uh, you know, I was uh, doing some research about this because I hadn't played it in a while, and I, I got a friend of mine playing it with me, 
and uh, they're still making them. Oh, you mean Atomic is? Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. They just released one. Yeah, well, you, you probably shouldn't believe it. Have you seen them? Well, they look exactly the same. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of sad. <laughs> I mean, I, let's see, I've wow. played... They they did a... It must have been a few years ago, but I reviewed their first attempt to revitalize the franchise, and it's just... Mm-hmm. It's lost so much. I don't, so here's the problem with these these games, is that I, it, it's such a different environment now, and it's so hard. Back then, when Close Combat came out, I don't think that video gamers were necessarily divided into what genres they liked. It's like you. You didn't necessarily play real-time strategy games or war games, but you see this game, and you're like, this is a cool new video game. It's People are saying good things about it. I'm going to try it. And I don't think people really do that anymore. Uh, people like their genres, and they I think they pick things according to what genre they like. So what Atomic has to do is cater to either real-time strategy gamers or war gamers, uh, rather than just make a cool design, and I, I just I I think it's lost a lot of what made it special. Um, but, but yeah, they they still they still have the name. They're still putting the name on games. Uh, now, have have you played recently? Do do you know how or whether these older close combats hold up? I I think they're still great. To tell you the truth, mm-hmm. uh, my my friend and I we were playing uh, the uh, oh what is it the Invasion Normandy the five or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not going to, um, I guess they could do it in 3D, but I'm, I don't, I'm not that much interested in uh, snazzy graphics. I mean, mind you, this is something I've been playing off and on for, you know, well over 10 years. So seeing the, 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 the hoariness of it is, is kind of fun. Although, mind you, my friend, he'd never played them before, and he enjoyed it. It's the, um, for me, it's not so much about the graphics. It's the sound effects to yes. it all. yes. You know, it. Uh, I, I like that uh, you have your little guys creeping around, and it's, you know the birds are chirping, and you know you're like, you don't know where anyone is. You're kind of hoping that, oh, okay, I can kind of see that guy there, and I can maybe sneak around. And it's the uh, the tension of it at the very beginning, and then it just sort of erupts, and it just kind of uh, gets its own thing going, and then they start screaming, and the you know grenades are going off, and the explosions, and it's like a boom, 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 and. Brrr. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it's the sound effects keep them coming back. Uh, wow, yeah, I'm totally remembering that, Morgan, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, it, and it's also, you know, it's, I, not to be a, a, a sadist, but I, I, I really like having my little machine gun stuck in a little place where it's just sort of tucked away, and the guy marches his little troops by, and, you know, you mow down 30 of them in, like, you know, 30 seconds. Well, now, Morgan, everybody loves that. We all yeah. love to be the guy in that beautifully entrenched, defensible machine gun spot where mm-hmm. the other player has to march his his dudes into the machine gun. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, see, like, uh, nothing I've played really allows you to do it quite like they allow you to do it, where it's just not, you're, you're kind of messed. You know, you, you made a mistake. Well, I don't know. Now, I also think a lot of the appeal of close combat, a lot of what makes it work is the scale. Is each mm-hmm. one of those little pixelated dude images has a name. If you've been playing the campaign, he has a history. Uh, you know, they, they have, if I'm not mistaken, don't they have like bravery ratings? And they, they all have stats, right? Yeah, I, I, I've never really, they never really made much sense to me. But, uh, yeah, they all have little stats. And, you know, they get wounded and their, their little health goes down and... Uh... You know, some of them go a little funny in the head, and they go berserk. And uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. One, they, one time, I, please. 
Oh, go, go ahead. You, you were going to say one time, I started, one time I started naming them after friends of mine. And yes. That, that little squad got decimated in about five seconds. I was like, well, that's too much work. <laughs> uh, and they, they get, do they get medals? Am I not mistaken? Don't they earn medals between missions? Yeah, 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 yeah. If you have your little, um, you know, your little uh, bazooka guy shoots down a tank, I think you get some medal. And if, like, you know, someone kills a lot of people he'll get a lot of he'll get a medal which is kind of nice at the end you know like you look at the little stats at the end you're like oh hey i got all these medals and your buddy's like well i i got a, guy, a lot of guys with wounded badges so that's, <laughs> so that's you were talking you mentioned before so that in the multiplayer campaign you each fight each other in a series of battles with the same group of dudes um uh, yes and no uh what it would be is like uh, in close combat 2 it does uh, uh, Operation Market Garden, which would be the uh, paratrooper drop in uh, the Netherlands, right? It's uh, the basis of A Bridge Too Far, the movie, right? Mm -hmm. And what you would do is you would have each sort of area, I think there's four of them, has a series of maps. And it's supposed to sort of recreate the, the environments of where they were fighting. I mean, who knows if that's true, right? And what the point is, is the... Germans have to stop the Americans from getting to all the bridges, right? And uh, the Americans and British have to get to all the bridges before time time runs out. And uh, what would happen is I would we would fight a battle. Uh, one side would I run away, or we both decide to sort of you know take our losses and then stop. And then uh, you can bring in reinforcements depending on how many uh, how long you how much time you have and whether or not you have uh, the ability of bringing reinforcements like. And uh, so you can carry uh, troops along from battle to battle, right? But honestly, they get killed so quickly that, you know, it's not really, oh, I have my little crack team of, uh, you know, paratroopers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And do you, are you fighting, is it like a tug of war pushing your way along the maps? Is that the idea? Or being driven back? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like um, you would have, uh, like uh, the first map of the first mission is on a bridge, mm -hmm. and uh, you have uh, the British on the very, very far side of one one map, and then you have the Germans behind a wall, and the Germans are going to try and stop the British from getting to the wall, and the British are out in the field, and they have to run up to the wall and try and get rid of the Germans before they get totally smoked, right? And uh, so if you push them, push the Germans all the way back, then you go onto another map, and then you go onto another map until you get to a city, and then, you know, then you kind of fight for that city for how long you can, and then, you know, you can get pushed all the way back, back again, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's a tug of war. Now, how do you, uh, you, you said you've been playing this with a friend of yours. Does this support yeah. LAN games? Are you having to do something online? Uh, we're using, uh, what do we use? I think we used Hamachi because it was easiest. So so if two people have a copy of Close Combat 2, yeah. you can still easily connect online. You can you still play multiplayer oh, yeah. games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that, really, a, it's, 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 well, I mean, you just have to have an IP address, right? Right, right. You know what? I guess I, I'm so used to these days, you know, servers being shut down by EA and whatnot. I guess I forget that these older games, yeah, they connect by IP addresses and, and you're golden. Uh, that's all you yeah. need is a buddy who's got the game and an IP address, whether it's on a LAN or using Hamachi. Uh, yeah, those were the days. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, what I'm curious about, Morgan, mm -hmm. do you still think that you're not much of an RTS guy? Because I, I can't help but think, you know, if you're digging close combat, there are some excellent RTSs out there that you would also like. 
Well, I mean, I, uh, I mean, I play. I, I don't like the resource management stuff. I, 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 I know you primarily think of them as uh, economic simulators, mm-hmm. and and I, I like the, the the strategy part of them and sort of the the, the uh, making flanking maneuvers and and you know poking around at what the person is doing, right? So I mean, I guess I'm just a, I, I would just pretty much be a turtler. <laughs> and, and 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 so you know, I, I have my elaborate defenses, and then I get just creamed. We know it is funny how strategy game, what what we think of as real time strategy games. There used to be plenty of games that didn't have economic management. Close combat is one. Myth is another one. Uh, you, you know, real time strategy games were perfectly fine with giving each player a group of forces and making them do the best they can with them. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's sort of fallen out of out of fashion, hasn't it? Uh, yeah. So so the one that it, so there's two that I think. Listen, you talk, Morgan. That mm-hmm. I think I wish Morgan would play these two games. So I'm just going to put a bug in your ear for a couple of these. Okay. So I think Majesty also has that same hook that Close Combat has, where it's a it's an intensely personal thing about dudes over whom you only have limited control. So in, in Majesty, the scale is you're dealing not with armies, but with individual heroes, and you don't tell them, you know, go charge into that machine gun nest and get killed, if that's what it takes. You, you give them suggestions, and their morale okay. might break. They'll do their own thing, but it's about their personality and your limited control. So so, so Majesty is one game, and a sequel just came out, but they're both, they both still hold up. Uh, the original Majesty still holds up, and the sequel is very good. So that's one bug I want to put in your ear. So like limited control, and you just like you just sort of insinuate. Oh, you know, hey guys, you might want to go over there, or are you kind of like pointing and clicking. You that, that's nope, that's an excellent question, and you're right. You insinuate, but you sweeten the insinuation pot with gold. <laughs> so so there's there's a there's a limited economy where you're building housing on the map, and the houses pay taxes, and you upgrade them, and and as you collect taxes, you can drop this money in basically a pile on the map that says, hey, here's this pile of money, and certain heroes respond different ways. Thieves, for instance, are really gold-hungry, and they'll make a beeline for it because they want that gold. Magic users, on the other hand, are more cautious. They're more interested in home defense. They're less likely to go across the map to get gold. But that's the way you exert limited control over the heroes. You know, you build the city as Mm -hmm. a city builder, so you determine what heroes are going to be citizens in your city. But once those heroes are spit out you're dropping piles of gold to try to influence them. Uh, and there's no guarantee that they're going to do what you want them to do or that they're not going to get scared and run away if they see a big monster. So it reminds me a lot of that, that crucial part of close combat where battles aren't necessarily about killing things. They're about you know, whether or not morale is going to break. So, so the other game I want to recommend to you... Uh, because it, it also has the, the simple graphics of close combat, uh, there's no real resource management, uh, is, is Darwinia. Uh, you, you mentioned the, the, the amazing sound effects in close combat and that, that, that quiet, haunting period before the battle starts. Darwinia also, it looks gorgeous. It's this weird cyber world that looks like Tron. But once, once the battles start to happen in Darwinia, it's just huge, brutal slaughters of swarms of these little virtual dudes uh, that, that makes me think a lot of just how sound design really plays into a, into a game, a big part of it. Um, and Darwinia, again, because it's not, 
it's not one of those real-time strategy games where you win by setting up an economy. Uh, I know that turns off a lot of people, and Darwinia is an, a, a latter-day best-case example of how you do a great real-time strategy game without having to base it on an economic model. Hmm, nifty. I, you know, I, I really didn't understand what Darwinia was all about, to tell you the truth. Like, I saw the ads for it and whatnot, and I see people talking about it, but I never, uh, never gave it a shot. The, the problem with Darwinia is the first Darwinia was more like a series of puzzle games, and mm-hmm. it released uh, Multiwinia, and the perception I think that created was you can only play it multiplayer, which isn't entirely correct because you can play against bots, and it works just fine that way. You can, you can set up an AI on the other team. Um, but if you ever get, I, I think it's probably 15 bucks. It's either it's either 800 or 1200 Microsoft Space Bucks, which in the states mm-hmm. is either 10 or 15 dollars. Darwinia Plus is on Xbox Live, and it includes the original Darwinia and Multiwinia, and they're both engineered specifically to work on Xbox Live, and, and they work wonderfully. So there, there's my bug in your ear for. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, they they, they are. Is, is 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 the new one any good? The new uh, Darwinia, yeah, because they they're, they're, they they came up it came up on my what my demo selection on my Xbox. I have an Xbox. I I punked out. Uh, well, no, yeah, yeah. Now that you're a console kitty, like the rest yeah. of us, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the new one is basically <laughs> the old Darwinia and Multiwinia put together in one package. And yeah, so that that gives you everything that I'm, that I'm talking about. And it's not just good; it's excellent, Morgan. Oh, I, I'll be signing up for someone from uh, Norway now. <laughs> yeah, let's have your Lars Ungar account there. Uh, so uh, what do you know about how easy it is for anybody listening to get a copy of Close Combat? Do you know offhand, is it available for download anywhere? Is it? Can you get it from abandonware sites? Yeah, they're selling, they're selling it on the uh, Atomic, on the Close Combat uh, website. I think they got, I think you can get all of them. I'm not sure. Oh, no kidding. They're selling the original ones. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. wonderful to hear. I mean, seriously, it's, a, it's quite thriving. The amount of mods for it and the amount of, golly, people still playing it. I was shocked. Oh, no kidding. So do you know, there, there are people yeah. modding close combat, like with new battles or what, what kind of mods? Uh, they're, they're modding it for, you know, the uh, uh, North African invasion, the Pacific. I mean, pretty much you, you name it, they've modded it for it. Oh, that's excellent. Have you looked at any of these or you just know about them? I, I tried down, downloading one once. It was uh, a uh, close combat World War One, which I thought just kind of beat it. You know, so you have a bunch of guys sitting at a trench shooting each other. For, I mean, wow, what a great game! Wow, and uh, I, I couldn't get it to work. I, I just, you know, I was reading the help files and how to how to how to install it and. It just kind of went, Nyeh. and I was like, well, I tried. But, um, no, it's, I mean, there's still people playing it. Um, you can go to, oh, I can't there's closecombatseries.com or something like that. And, you know, there's, uh, you, you can match make games with people. And, uh, I mean, there still is people, you know, zipping away at the whole thing still. I mean, which blew my mind because I figured all that stuff would have punked out in, like, 2003. That's so encouraging to hear. I mean, I'm so glad to, to know about that. Uh, now, so one thing that uh, I, you and I mentioned very briefly before we started recording is why on earth has close combat as a, as a model, as an idea for how to do a video game, why didn't that take, do you think? Because close combat, would you agree that it's kind of an evolutionary dead end for video games? 
Yeah, I mean they don't they, they don't make anything like it. Right. Uh, I mean the closest thing to it it would be uh, uh, um, uh, what the combat mission, but it's not really the same. I mean the the, the mechanics is quite similar, right? You, you say stop, go, and then but then they have the WeGo stuff, right? So I think I think the people who really liked it moved on to that, and then the people who just liked who liked the RTS part of it moved on to other RTSs, right? Yeah. It's kind of a midpoint between the two. And and it's so disappointing to me, Morgan, to think too what's become of both of those games. I mean, Close Combat and Combat Mission were, you know, if you were into war games back then, if you were playing them, they were revolutionary and there was some amazing stuff. And you you got this sense that, wow, from here on out, war games are going to be awesome. And, and these <laughs> these two series are going to be at the vanguard of what makes war gaming great and popular and accessible. And to just, you know, the the new close combats that Atomic is doing and what happened with the combat mission series has just been so disheartening. Um, but, yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't think it's that disheartening with the, I mean, with what Atomic's doing right now. I mean, uh, they just released a uh, a Normandy campaign that's uh, got uh, all kinds of crazy that's going on in it. So, I mean, I, I like to think of it as two, two, two people sitting in a basement, you know, being like, oh, this is hilarious, <laughs> like, do... As opposed to we're going to have you know huge commercial success, right? We know it to be fair. Yeah, actually, I, I shouldn't be so harsh because I have not seen what they've done with it since they first started trying. So yeah, don't no, everybody, anybody listening, don't take my word at face value. You should definitely take a look yourself at what Atomic's doing with Close Combat. So fair point. Yeah, but uh, I, you know, I uh, I just don't think uh, I don't. Know, uh, war games are such a niche market, right? And people really like. I mean. Think of how many hex-based games there are out there. I mean, they're releasing them all the time. I don't know. I keep on waiting for a, a cool, uh, real-time uh, Napoleonic game aside from uh, Sid Meier's game, but I don't think it's ever going to happen. Well, there's one coming out in a week. Do you know really? about this? Yeah, uh, Empire or Napoleon Total War from the Creative Assembly guys. Yeah, I... I, 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 I yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> I, don't, I, hadn't, I, didn't play, I didn't play the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the Empire one. It, it's there, there's some very disappointing things about them. I mean, I, uh, in, in an interesting way, though, Morgan, they do. They started. They've backed away from it. They started out very much being about that close combat model of you're not fighting necessarily to kill the other guy, but to break him, to stop mm-hmm. him from shooting back, and then to make him leave the battlefield. You know, the early Total War games were less about the casualties you can inflict and more about breaking his morale and making him retreat. Uh, they've amped up the pace and made them a little more action-y, I think, to keep... That's where I got, I got really turned off with the uh, uh, the Rome because of that. Uh, it just uh, the, the, the battles got too... Not cartoony, but just too too fast, you know? I, I think of... cartoony is entirely fair, Morgan. I mean, yeah. it, it, action-y, maybe. Uh, but, but, yeah, I... I I agree with your complaint. Yeah. But you know, I I didn't feel it really needed to be actioned up. But you know, ah, it's it's still a fun game. I liked it, but right. I don't know. Well, it's sort of that was one of the, the the beauty of close combat is that it did have a very different kind of pace. You, you know, you talk about that. What makes the battles exciting is also the the slow part before the battles, the tension before it ramping up. Well, exactly uh, right. It's the. Um, because of the uh, like to, uh, total, excuse me, uh, Rome Total War, it happens so quickly that 
when you have a giant mess, it doesn't really feel like the giant mess sort of happened organically. Yeah. I just kind of felt like I was just throwing stuff in there, and hopefully my chariots will knock everyone over and not be dead, right? <laughs> right. It's sort of like when, you, when you're turned up to 11 the whole time, you're not at 11 anymore. <laughs> exactly. Oh, savor savor the, uh, the little things, I guess, in your old age, huh? <laughs> Uh, so I don't know if you're prepared for this, Morgan, but I'm about to ask you a completely random question that has okay. nothing whatsoever to do with anything we've talked about. Okay, you bracing yourself? Yep. So yeah. No telling what direction this could go in. This yeah, could well, be. Okay, that that would be cheating. And actually, Wikipedia will not help you with this one. Uh, so a lot of these are really jokey and funny mm -hmm. and don't really aren't serious, but I'm, I, this is a weird one, and I, I kind of feel bad that I'm going to drop this one on you. Go right ahead, please. Okay. So here's the deal. To win this one, to win a free game, uh, y there's no requirement for how you post or anything. As long as you post an earnest answer in this thread, you will go in the drawing, and you will be eligible. And so here's a weird thing, but let me just throw this out and see what you do with this. Um, what's the closest you've ever come to dying? Let's say I came to dying? Yeah. Oh, jeez. I, 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 oh, actually, I guess that was... My, okay, my, I would hardly say, say it was a brush with death, but uh, when I was 19 years old, I was working uh, at a, uh, a rental yard for like uh, construction equipment and whatnot, mm -hmm. and uh, we had these big um, grates where we washed off all the equipment, and then we get covered and underneath it there would be a big you know 40 gallon drum or something like that and it would collect all the, all the muck and whatnot and every once in a while we'd have to get out a uh, what do you call it a, uh, a forklift and uh, hook it up with chains and pull the uh, uh, big bucket of muck up and uh, a couple days before I was quitting they were like well Morgan you can go have this crappy job and we were pulling the uh, the big old bucket up and uh, one of the chains snapped and it zipped by my head and, oh, well, mind you, you know, at the time it seemed like it was really close, probably missing by like, you know, five or six feet, but that's probably it. it well, and it, it, that's the sort of thing where you think if that had hit me, you, you know, yeah. you know, a, a few more inches or another foot over, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, I, I hardly, I, I really don't lead a life of danger. <laughs> <laughs> you, you Canadians are so yeah. safe and reserved, and <laughs> so you've yeah. never, you've never been in a in a bad car wreck or anything. No, no. Uh, well, I, I don't know how to drive, so. <laughs> you know, you can still get in car wrecks when other people drive. <laughs> uh, that's true. I take public transit. Ah, okay. Oh, actually, so here you go, Morgan. I was, when I was in Prague, mm -hmm. um, I, we were riding a bus, and the bus, for some reason, hit the brakes really fast. Yeah. And threw all the passengers to the front of the dang bus. I mean, it was, it was insane. You think... You know, I've been in car wrecks before, uh, and, and you, you, know, you have your seatbelt on. It's just a couple of you in the car. But when you take a bus full of people and do the basic maneuvers of a car wreck, it didn't hit anything, but it stopped suddenly, that, like, shakes up all those people. It's like uh, a friend of mine was in actually a train derailing, and he described it as putting a mouse in a coffee can, putting the lid on, and then shaking yeah. the can up. So I was in, it wasn't nearly as bad as, as my friend Brad in a train wreck, but when I was on this bus in Prague, it stopped suddenly, and I remember distinctly taking an old man right in the face. Like, I remember looking up at the bus and seeing this old guy just slam into my face. Uh, uh, so, 
Yeah, so even public transportation, I just want you to know, Morgan, you're not entirely safe. You could take an old man in the face one day if you're not if you're not careful. <laughs> I don't have the the, the the bus drivers here are kinda kinda lead footed. Well you guys also have those awesome trams. Yeah. Those yeah. those are so beautiful. I love those things. Like such a brilliant idea. I mean, shoot, I can get anywhere in town and they all they all have their own lane so i don't have to worry about traffic it's yep just, that's right oh that's so why don't why don't we have that oh. more american cities you'd have to tear down all the all the all the buildings and widen the roads right but the traffic here is brutal i don't know why anyone would in their right mind think of driving a car into the city right when you have trams that will take you anywhere in, anywhere in town yeah yeah you don't need one uh do the trams run all night yes um about one every half hour yeah, I'm so jealous. And you just get a pass, right? Like you get a monthly pass, and you use all the buses, all the trams, the subway, you get all that stuff, right? Thirty bucks a month. Good lord, man! We need to have socialism here in the United States. Here's a buck too, you know. <laughs> well, uh, Morgan, I really appreciate you hanging out. Now, uh, thank you. It was next, pleasure doing it. And it was it was very cool to meet you. I I I hope this doesn't sound condescending, but I I love you Canadians. You guys are just awesome. <laughs> uh, now next week is a very. I actually haven't checked to verify this yet, but I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Next week will be a first for the quarter to three games podcast. And I'm again, I don't want to sound condescending, but I'm very proud. We have our first chick on, uh, M Malloy. Uh, I think we'll be here to talk about Oblivion, the Elder Scrolls games. Did you play those, by the way? Um, I just uh, I played it, and uh, I just bought it for my uh, Xbox about a week ago because it was like 12 bucks. Now, you're not going to get around to playing it because you've started Dragon Oh, did you finish Dragon Age, or you just started it? I got to the last uh, Dragon at the end, and I tried beating it for about an hour, and I just kind of went, Bleh. Isn't that so annoying? Those like, <laughs> oh, God. I, I, I stopped caring after like the fifth time. I was just like, can I just, you know, just... Stop and see what the end is, please. But uh, maybe one day. That's right. You can't. And, and the thing is, you're now out of practice. Like you've forgotten all the little dude special moves and stuff. And it's going to be that much harder if you ever want to sit down. And I, I hate that games do that. That they throw at you this super tough boss that plays by different rules. And uh, oh, good lord. Well, I mean, I just uh, I got to. I, I think I was probably playing the game wrong. You know, I was probably supposed to be using all the other stuff. I just used my, used my little, my little, my my avatar guy and just wailed on everyone, and occasionally used the magician. But I think, yeah, oh, you well, maybe one day. Do you want me to spoil the ending of Dragon Age? No, 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 no. <laughs> I, somehow I think good defeats evil. <laughs> Spoiler. Well, just the, the the cool thing about the end of Dragon Age is that no one can spoil it for you because it's it's what's called a combinatory ending where they. Uh, they piece together different things you did during the game to create for you an outro, basically. So no one can tell you what exactly happens because you're the one that determines all that. So that's kind of the, the payoff that you're missing, Morgan, is all of my actions created. This is the, the state of the world at the end. And until you beat that dragon, you can't find out what it's going to be. I wasn't a very nice person in, in my playthrough through Dragon Age, so I think I could deal with that. <laughs> Uh, so just as, as an example, and again, I, I think probably every podcast we do from now on, I'm, I'm probably going to, and it's like a knee-jerk reaction, mention how awesome Bioshock 2 is at least once. <laughs> but Bioshock 2 gets that whole end game clunkiness. It just gets everything right about that. You know, I think of games that create these these personalized endings, like 
like the last, like Fallout 3 or like Dragon Age. Uh, Bioshock takes that approach and it just does so well with it. And this might be a minor spoiler, but you oh. don't fight some big stupid dragon. Well, I mean, who's expecting a giant dragon? Uh, if you played Bioshock, dragon? if you played Bioshock One, you might have been worried that that was going to happen. A dragon? No, you don't fight a dragon in Bioshock One, but you do fight a big stupid boss with a bazillion hit points. And uh, the end of Bioshock One is a classic example of how boss battles are stupid. I thought. Yeah. Uh, so. All right, so uh, yeah, so Morgan, thank you for hanging out with me. I could I could talk all day about about Canada, about boss battles, about close combat. Uh, I'm glad to hear that there's a thriving player community and, and mod scene. That's very encouraging to know. Oh, and I have to, before I depart, I have to say that uh, the Czech Republic has to be one of the biggest bastions of adventure game players I've ever seen. Really. Everyone who plays adventure games. Yeah. Now, no. When you say adventure games, explain, because that's sort of a uh, dead... Well, it's, you know what? It's not dead, because they've... The, the re-release of uh, the pirate, the Monkey Island games, and uh, the Sam and Max stuff. So what what is it about? What's going on in the Czech Republic there? Like those games. Like like adventure games. Like, it's mm-hmm. just... It's insane. Like, you know, they... they uh, the people I talk to who like playing video games, they all like playing adventure games. Weird, huh? That is very weird. Do you like playing adventure games? Uh, yes and no, but not not to the extent that they do. That's crazy. All right, so maybe it's yeah. something in the water in the, the Czech Republic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Morgan. So uh, thank you for hanging out with me, and we will be seeing you around uh, on the forum. All right. Cheers. Bye.